Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Love learning about stuff I didn't previously know about. It's an awesome book, and we'll be taking uh, excerpts from it just for educational purposes uh, as the uh, weeks and months transpire here. The book, Montana Greats from A to Z, the greatest athletes from 264 Montana communities. It's in alphabetical order, so we're just going through it. So we're only in the A's right now. Highlighted Wayne Estes of Anaconda yesterday. Harvey Lee of Antelope, Montana. Never heard of Antelope or Harvey Lee. Antelope once had a proud sports tradition, and no one represented it better than Harvey Lee, who averaged 22.7 points per game and was a Class C All-State selection in 1975. The forward scored 33 points in the opening game of the state tournament against Heisham in 75. And after leading the Pronghorns to the title game, Lee was the state champion in the high hurdles and third in the low hurdles in the spring. A native of Kalispell, Lee was also an outstanding baseball player. He eventually earned a teaching degree from Eastern Montana College, and he died in 2018. So I appreciate Jeff Welch for uh, teaming up and letting us highlight this book. And uh, always fun learning New stuff about people. If you missed anything in the first hour of Nuanas Now here on ESPN Radio, you can always find it on the podcast. We talked all things college football, plus Big Sky guys fighting their way onto NFL rosters or trying to fight their way to stay in the NFL, period. We also talked with Sam Herter all about FCS uh, landscape with the opening weekend of college football on the horizon. We heard from Tommy Mallott, outstanding quarterback for the Montana State Bobcats. We also talked some Grizz quarterbacks and gave you some wings to the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. All of it, you can find it on the Nuanas Now podcast, probably presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store, and the MSU Bookstore. It's time now for our ESPN Roundtable. It's presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. Paradise Falls of Missoula, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Great place to gather with family and friends alike. Go check them out. 3621 Brook Street, Paradise Falls, Missoula's coolest hotspot. Look at us, technologically innovative. We're sitting here on the benches right next to the number 37 on the 37-yard line at Washington Grizzly Stadium. It was like 100 degrees yesterday. Now it's cold. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, joining us. Thanks for doing this, man. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. It's game week. It's a different energy a little bit. And, yeah, i kind of wishing I'm not in short <laughs> sleeves right now. I, You know, welcome to the bipolar weather of Montana. <laughs> We're entering that stage for the next couple months. Well, uh, let's talk about the news of the day so far. Uh, there's been a whole bunch of NFL roster movements going on. Um, Patrick O'Connell, almost to the end of the Seahawks, but he gets cut. But he gets signed back to the practice squad. So, um Opportunity remains alive. Um, Malik Flowers bounced around a little bit. I don't. I won't be surprised if he gets another shot sometime a, a couple weeks down the road. This is kind of how Rashid Shahid had to play it from Weaver State too. He was, you know, he was in and out, and then all of a sudden he was in, and then he was good, and then all now he's definitely going to be on the Saints. But uh, the two biggest pieces of news: former Grizz Samari Torre, as expected, makes the Green Bay Packers. But probably the surprise is the kid from Butte, America, baby, Dylan Cook. 
This is the new answer to our trivia question, right? He's the only NAIA quarterback playing in the NFL. He also happens to be an offensive lineman now for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But what a, what a great story of perseverance, man. It's pretty cool. It's so cool. And there's so much pride, right? Especially in this state, this side of the state. And you feel someone like Dylan Cook to bounce around from Tampa and to get picked up by Pittsburgh. It's just awesome to see. And I think for Samori, he can play a big-time role this year, sure. which, um, you know, could certainly make waves. And for Patrick O'Connell, what a preseason that he had. I I mean, we knew he had the tools. That's also a great story of perseverance. I think you almost put him in the category of a Dylan Cook, right? He's playing baseball at Mary, you know, four or five years ago and then walks on to Montana, turns out to be one of the greatest linebackers to ever play. I just wish he could have been healthy all last year. I know that's one of the the regrets when you look back down memory lane a little bit. And then I do compare Malik's um, circumstance totally to Rashid Shaheed. I mean, it's going to be about fit. And when a team needs somebody dynamic like Malik, I think he can stick as well. So just goes to show you there's been a lot of talent coming through here. And and maybe there was a little bit of a gap where you didn't have Grizz in the pros. And it's just nice to have that again, too, where you, you watch the Grizz hopefully win on Saturday, and then on Sunday you get to watch a couple former Grizz. It's going to be a great selling point in recruiting for Bobby Houck, too, if Chris Walker goes to the league. He gave the press conference on Monday. If, they, if, if what you look like tells you anything, he looks like he's going to the league, that's for sure. I want to know if you can grow your beard like Chris I Walker mean, if you wanted to. I don't know... Chris Walker is one of those guys that's he's just a different type of specimen than most of us mere mortal men. <laughs> I mean, I listen to your Inside the Den podcast. You know, he's ta- this guy's six six, three hundred pounds, and he's talking about hiking through the mountains, elk hunting. Like the guy is just a physical specimen. He's a freak. But all that said, if you got Dylan Cook, who, who was a walk-on lineman or a converted quarterback into an offensive tackle, NFL, if Chris Walker does the same thing, comes as a defensive lineman from Nebraska, transitions to to offensive tackle. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is Bobby Houck knows how to identify him, and uh, it'd be a pretty good selling point for the Grizzlies if they had a couple guys that uh, came of age sort of at Montana. Well, totally, and especially to identify someone like a Chris Walker who's, what, I mean, lost in the fold would be an understatement on yeah, the D-line yeah. at Nebraska, and they, they see a little film on this guy and say, no, no, no. You should be an offensive lineman. Yep. Come here, and not only are you going to start and play, you're going to be an NFL draft prospect. And, and Colter, I'm knocking on wood right now. I would be stunned at this point if he doesn't because yep. his stock right now rising up. If Bruce Feldman's writing about him, yep. how many players play college football? And, and he made the top 101 for right. the, the Freaks list, the Senior Bowl. The Grizz haven't had someone there for quite a while. So uh, he's only going to rise up. And we talk about anchors of the O-line as we maybe transition the conversation to, to this year's group. I mean, the the left side of the Grizzlies O-line is going to be elite this year, and it's going to be anchored by that big fella. I'm curious how uh, how the non-scholarship DNs from Butler are going to handle Mr. Chris Walker this weekend. <laughs> no doubt. At ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, joining us. We're coming to you. A little, little bit before showtime here at Washington Grizzlies Stadium. Appreciate you for doing this with me. Um, things that you saw during camp. You went to a lot of practices. What not necessarily stood out to you, because as Andrew and I always talk about, the Grizz are really hard to analyze from a practice perspective because they're so disciplined and they practice so hard. So there's really no ebbs and flows. It looks pretty good all the time, right? Yeah. What, what, what was surprising to you, though? Anything that stood out player-wise or just operational-wise or, or just anything? I think that and stick with me on this for, for a little bit because you see position groups and I think when people identify, oh, there's a position battle, that immediately is the assumption that, okay, maybe that's a problem area because they right. need to find somebody. I saw so many position battles. Let's just focus on the big three that everyone wants to talk about, quarterback, running back, and wide receiver, where 
there was so much internal battle each yeah. day where the depth chart did rotate one through four at some of these spots, even one through five at running back to where it was fascinating to watch who is going to win the day. I know that's a ton of coach speak at times of like, okay, I get it. They're going to retool the depth chart each day. That wasn't the case this year. It, it was something where, you know, you had to bring your best every day. And if you weren't a hundred percent healthy, you're going to fall down to number four or five and you got to earn your way back up. That was fascinating to me to watch the offense each day, because let's call it what it is. The changes with Brent Pease, very refreshing. And I think that was across the board from the coaching staff cohesion, as well as the players and the response there. Saw a lot of quarterback drills this year that I haven't seen yep. in a while. So I did, I'll admit, I focused a little bit more on the offense than the defense. The line is just uh, a stable, but, but the skill position guys, I mean, <laughs> that's where I'm mainly focusing on when I'm calling the game and I want to make sure I understand all of those guys in the mix and the running back just the the fascination of two young freshmen combined with three upperclassmen they all bring different different elements and different strengths to to Justin Green's room and to really to the Grizzly offense and then the wide receiving core to have three mainstays I thought this was fascinating the top five wide receivers for the Grizz are all juniors mm, so that that's something to see too I think we forget about Ryan Simpson a lot I know we've talked about it you you've, you guys have on the show as well but Sawyer Racanelli is a guy that stood out to me. I mean, Grizz fans never got to see him practice because he blew out his knee spring of 2022. He's going to make an impact. Now, whether that's going to be at the beginning of the year, I'm not sure, but uh, that will be someone else to watch. So I was really fascinated the internal battles at quarterback, running back, receiver, and that doesn't mean it's a weakness. I think it's an it's a added strength. Well, I actually think that running back and receiver are going to be two of the strengths of this, mm-hmm. of this team and of the offense for sure. The, the things I noticed that were a little bit different – one, I think that they're going to have a little bit different roles for their tight ends in the offense. I think part of that comes from the guys that they have left in the program. Cole Grossman is a great sort of slot-type tight end. Like, I'd call him like a Y. He's a, he's a Y receiver, right? Like, you like to move him around, and he's not really going to blow anybody off the ball when he has his hand in the dirt. He's a willing blocker, but he's, you know, he's 220 pounds. Now I got a bunch of 260-pound guys. They had so much success a couple years ago with that three tight end set. Now I think they're going to be more traditional, just like the two tight ace formation, single back. Let's blast people off the ball. So that's one spot. And then on defense, I, to me, it, it's the same controlled chaos in the front six. But I saw some different stuff coverage-wise on the back end. And I think that's what you what you get when you have a, a defensive coordinator who's a guy that played 10 years in the NFL secondary in Ronnie Bradford. And he's going to lean a ton on his assistant coaches, too, to, for, for that battle up front. Yeah. And I just think it's just amazing to me. Reload at linebacker. Again. I mean, it never ends, man. I mean, I mean, this is how it goes, though, right? Andrew's always laughing. Andrew <laughs> Houghton's not from Montana. He's just still so uh, – finds it so funny and so awesome that Montana – University of Montana just has – Five, six, two, two hundred twenty-five pound guys from Montana that play linebacker every year for twenty years. It's it's really crazy the consistency of it all. Well, well what's funny too is if you look at the measurements of the top five, right? <laughs> they're all six, the two, two, they're all the exact same. They're all within ten pounds of each other, and they're all within two inches of each other. So it's fascinating. And three quarters of them are all from the same town. Yes, three of the five are from Missoula, which is super cool. Yeah, Braxton Hills just been a great story of perseverance. And then I'm not saying he might be the best one of them all, but maybe by the end of the year. The guy to watch out for is the yeah. non-Montanan and Riley Wilson. He came in here and made waves right away. I thought it was fascinating doing a deep dive on him. He actually started as a tight end at Hawaii. And again, another spot where maybe he was in a different different position or the wrong position uh, to start his career. And so that linebacking core is going to be fascinating to watch. I also think, and this is clearly storyline number one for the defense, how does the rotation of the DNs work? I mean, yeah. when you lose a Jacob McGowan, then the banged up with the injuries that we saw a little bit in fall camp – 
who is going to come out there because there's some newcomers that are going to get in the mix. I mean, you have a Hayden Harris, you have a Matai Mata'afa. I mean, those guys come from UCLA and Mississippi State. They're obviously are good enough to play at the Power 5 level, so how do they translate? Garrett Husted is someone that I feel isn't talked about as, as much. He drew his first start in the playoff game against North Dakota State. He played his best towards the end. Kale Edwards, if he can stay healthy. I mean, that frame, I know you've talked about his NFL potential before. And then, oh, by the way, you got Alex Gubner, too. So I think the pieces are in place, but just a matter of trying to put it together. That might take a couple of games, but at the same time, I still think you have a, a lot of talent there on the front. The secondary, a lot of familiar names, but maybe in elevated roles. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, joining us here on Nuanas Now. It's our ESPN roundtable. The, uh, the defensive line depth on the interior, I think, is, is something I'm going to be looking at for sure. I've heard a lot of critics say, well, when you get past Gubner, they don't have any mass. I think, though, and I get that in this defense, the, the interior guy, is a, he's a true nose. He's playing you know, zero shade or one gap on both sides. So you do need to have a little mass. But you can also make up with math for uh, with uh, you can make up for lack of mass with athleticism, strength, explosiveness. And when you listen to the coaches talk, especially Bobby Houck, he's given such credit to the offseason work of guys like Noah Cashmitter and Kellen Dietrich. I guess my notion is weighing 300 pounds can be can be an advantage. But if you can move and you can and you're strong, which I think that Cashmitter is one of the strongest guys on the team, is if you listen to what they say internally. And Dietrich, I mean, his dad's a strength coach up at MSU Northern. He knows how to lift weights. He's a pretty big dude. So, uh, you know, they might they might be 260, not 300. But I, I actually think you can get away with that this day and age, especially with how athletic you have to be in this defense. I think so, too. I mean, Dietrich, I mean, he identifies in his bio that he's a power lifter. That's right, what he does exactly. as a hobby. So I think that— I mean, I first knew about him from him posting videos of himself in high school on Twitter. I was like, well, that guy's going to be a D1 player just because he's benching 350 pounds when he's in high school. And that's a little bit uh, something that's uh, foreshadowing, I think, for his career a little bit. And I get it. I just think Coulter, when you talk about mass against size and speed, all of that, I think that this matches what the Grizzlies want to do defensively, though. You don't need that big guy in the middle. Alex Gubner's a freak, right? He's For a sure. freak of nature of what he can do with, you know, having the combination of all of his attributes. But I don't think it's necessarily that big of a deal right yeah. away to have those guys with, with mass on the inside. And I, I think somebody that really plays that hybrid role, Noah Cashmitter, yeah. I, I think uh, when we see him on, on the field this year, you're going to see him inside, outside, bouncing around a little bit. So, I, I mean, that, that's an area to watch out for, but I wouldn't quite say it's a concern, at least of mine, to start the season. Bobby Elks also had uh, a lot of defensive tackles that were lean and athletic, that were pretty darn good players. I mean, I think about Craig Mettler and Brian Waldhauser and, I mean, Austin Mullins. There was all sorts of guys during his first stint that were all, you know, 6'3", 260-pound former basketball players, yeah, guys that can move a little bit. So it, it can happen. I know that the, the barometer of the measuring stick now in the FCS is going to be the Dakota schools. They got all the beef. I totally get it. But uh, I also think there's a lot of ways to – to uh, operate this day and age. Uh, anything else that you're looking at? I mean, coming into Saturday, a high noon, the opener against Butler. It's a non-scholarship team from, you know, the Pioneer Football League. They're going to be smart. They're going to be physically overmatched. They're going to be well coached. I mean, as Bobby Alex said, they got great systems. They're going to be well coached. They're going to be where they need to be. They're just not going to have the depth or the talent to really hang with Montana. That said, uh, it, you do want to have some sort of barometer for success in, a, in an opening game, even if the, the win is not necessarily, you know, going to be that tough of an effort. What are you looking for from this team on Saturday? I think what's interesting about this is some of the strengths that Butler has might be some of the areas of concern 
concern for the Grizz. Yeah. So I'm focusing on that a lot, right? I, I think that the the wide receiving core for Butler and, and what Brett Bushka can do, that might test this secondary a little bit. The offensive line, the top three offensive linemen on the left side for Butler are all back. How does that challenge the def- defensive line of the Grizz that we just talked about? And then also for Montana, how can you shift your strengths? I think everybody is leaning towards that the offense might be the strength, at least to yeah. start the season, right? Well, can you put your foot down right away and blow out a team that you're supposed to? And I'll just say it. I mean, yeah, blow out a team. That's what everyone's expecting. If this is a 14 to 21 point game, I I think people are going to be a little bit maybe shaking their head at the very beginning. So we're going to find out um, what the Grizz can do, at least from the offensive side of things. But I think, yeah, they do need to overmatch a, a Butler team that went to South Dakota State. Competed a little bit. A little bit I mean, yeah. they got... They competed got, with Sam Houston last year, too. Yeah, so, I mean, they, they are not going to be afraid. And I think from just the Butler side of things, this is a program that is kind of ready to take the next step. They had five straight losing seasons. They were 7-2 and two last year. They were knocking on the door to make the playoffs. So they're going to come in here and obviously want to make a statement. So we'll see how it goes. But I think that uh, this is a perfect first game for the Grizz. I would compare it to uh, the Drake matchup a couple of years ago, at least in 2018. It's just a, a similar type opponent that we'll see if the Grizz can flex their muscles. I also am curious on the return game yeah. from, from Montana. Yeah. Who is going to be back there? I don't know. As we, as we sit here at practice on Wednesday. I'm not sure who's going to be back there. How to replace Malik Flowers. I think we've talked a lot about who's going to replace the All-Americans on the defensive side. How to replace Malik Flowers because that was a huge weapon for the Grizz and I don't think they would have gotten out of the first round of the playoffs last year if it wasn't for somebody like Malik Flowers. So that was such an added element when maybe the offense struggled last year that I felt the offense combined with the special teams helped keep them afloat. Can the special teams be that impactful yet again with maybe an improved offense then the fireworks could go off. Your Washington State guy, does Brett Bushka remind you of Gardner Minshew with that mustache that he's sporting? Uh, absolutely. That's a, that's a great that's a great comparison. I called him out about it when I interviewed him today. I said, are you going Gardner Minshew on us? He's like, well, my hair's not quite as good, but the stash is definitely influenced. Well, hey, for a Vikings fan, it's got to give you Kirk Cousins vibes. How about that? Kirk Cousins, shave that off. What are you doing? Just get rid of him. Gosh, I can't stand it. Riley Corker, Voice of the Grizz, here on the ESPN Roundtable. Thanks for doing it, man. Absolutely. It's been Roundtable, probably presented by Paradise Falls. Need a place to watch all the college football action on Saturday? Well, you can go in the morning, watch the morning games, the afternoon, the evening. Paradise Falls has breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They'll have food and drink specials all Saturday long. Go check them out at 3621 Brook Street in Missoula. Our ESPN Roundtable rolls out. We go to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in. The uh, voice of the Montana State Bobcats, Keaton Gologli, joining us. Keaton, it's been a little while, man. How was your summer? How you been? Oh, man, the summer was good, rejuvenating, refreshing, a lot of time on the trails, and uh, yeah, ready to rock and roll. It should be fun. It should definitely be fun. I'm glad to hear that you're uh, loving the, the Montana summer life, because it's, uh, you, I mean, living in Bozeman, man, not not much better spots in the world when it comes to summertime. No, I got almost 300 trail miles in this summer, so nice. I think I did it right. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, cool. Well, uh, I know you're getting ready uh, for the, uh, the first in-season cat chat of the year coming up there, which is uh, always an exciting time. What have you thought so far? I know you probably got a chance to watch him practice a little bit, but more than that, just being around uh, the program, around the players, around the coaches, how would you just gauge sort of the, the vibe and, and uh, the expectation for Montana State coming into this season? Yeah, you know, uh, it, it's interesting, right? I mean, obviously, the, this program has been on a very steady rise now over the last uh, number of years. And, you know, coming off a Big Sky Championship and coming off a, a semifinal appearance for uh, again. And, you know, it's just, it's it's that kind of 
tempered confidence, if you will. Um, you know, fall camp had an edge to it. The guys were working their tails off. I mean, a couple of the things when I went to practice, like, I mean, guys' jerseys are getting tattered up, and you just you could just feel it. I mean, there's definitely an energy there, so that's good. And, uh, you know, the fan base is just, it's they're excited. I mean, you see it in ticket sales. You see it in the conversations you have walking around Bozeman when you run into cat country and cat fans. So, yeah, you know, I think uh, it's all that kind of uh, excitement, energy, confidence, but not hubris. And, uh, you know, one of the points I think Brent Vegan has made that's really uh, salient here is that, look, you know, every team, even though there's a lot of guys coming back, every team is a little bit different. Every team finds their own identity, and this team is going to find its own identity. But I think one of the things that you're not going to question is the depth and the energy. And there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of new faces, but guys who are ready to step into some new roles. And, you know, people people are just they're just excited because it's a fun time. Certainly a fun time. The, the depth is uh, almost unprecedented. I, I think about the FCS very much like the NFL in that it's a salary cap sport. In other words, you have such a limited amount of so, so much less scholarships, just like you have a limited amount of, of uh, salary cap space in the NFL. A lot of times in the NFL, if a headliner – you know, a, a, a superstar all-pro type player, especially at one of the pivotal positions like quarterback or defensive end or whatever, goes down. The next guy up is such a downgrade just because you're probably paying the guy who's the headliner so much money. Now, you take the pay out of it, but at the FCS, a lot of times, if you lose one of your superstars, and, and some of the best teams usually have, you know, five, six, seven, all the way up to maybe ten guys you consider superstars. If you lose one of those guys, the next guy up, no, no, nowhere close to as good. But you look at the Cats, I mean, knock on wood, you're not wishing anybody to get injured, but anybody on this team could go down, and they got a, a, an adequate, a, at the least, if not a very good uh, guy to fill in and, and step up. So uh, the depth has been unbelievably impressive. What do you think is the deepest position, though? I, we saw the depth chart yesterday, and there's some reshufflings, especially on the offensive line. Is that the Bobcats' deepest position, or what do you think is the Bobcats' deepest position? Man, that is a really, really good question. Um, you know, I think the offensive line uh, is certainly a candidate. A few more unproven guys on that second tier. Yeah, there was some reshuffling, but pretty much all those guys have a lot of experience. Uh, I think the running back room is probably the deepest. That's where I would go when you look at Lane Sumner, number one. Julius Davis listed as the number two, the transfer from Wisconsin. And then you've got three guys who all can be very, very explosive. Elijah Elliott is the leading returning running back. Uh, Jared White, who is the second, or the redshirt freshman, got hurt last year but had a big game early before the season-ending injury. Um, and then another freshman, uh, a kid from Seattle, Scott Trey Humphrey, should factor in as well. And that's not even talking about another freshman. Adam Jones get some time. Uh, Garrett Kuhn is a guy who had some flashes last year. So um, I think that running back room is, you know, it could be five to seven guys deep, which is about how many guys they used last year in terms of injuries. Um, and then the other room that I think is going to surprise people is the cornerback room. You know, the secondary has been a question mark for Montana State. It was a big-time question mark for them last season. They've lost a lot uh, going back to last year. But it sounds like they're going to feel comfortable right now rotating about five guys in at the two corner spots to start the year and let it kind of shake itself out. Um, but I think that's one spot where we could see a lot of improvement and we could see some serious depth that will shake it out early in the season. What is now ESPN Radio. It's our ESPN Roundtable. Keaton Gologli, the voice of the Bobcats, joining us here to uh, preview the upcoming Montana State football season, which starts in just a couple days, Saturday night, under the lights, Bobcat Stadium, Utah Tech in town. Um, I, I couldn't help but think, how impressive Connor Moore must be at that left tackle spot for MSU. Just given the fact that 
This is a kid that is a redshirt freshman. Montana State's got three, count them, three guys that have started at left tackle in their program. One, who's an All-American, a Rush Reimer. The second, Marcus Weir, who's played both tackle spots, but played a little left tackle last year and is, one, is expected to be one of their best guys again this year. And then a third, Jacob Kells, is one of the bigger recruits of the last handful of years. He's battled some injuries, but certainly a talented guy. So I think that just shows how talented Connor Moore is. And I think that's going to be fascinating to see him because if he really is uh, an addition to that top five and and they get uh, you know an upgrade there on the offensive front after they were one of the best offensive lines in the league, uh, certainly going to be a huge boon for the Bobcats. Uh, the other narrative, though, coming out of fall camp, Keaton, has been uh, just the, uh, the emphasis on and uh, the priority on improving the passing game. Uh, what can you tell us there? Obviously, both quarterbacks still return. Tommy Mallott and Sean Chambers, both really, really good players. But being able to have a more consistent passing game, I think, is probably the next step for the Bobcat offense. What have you seen? What can you tell us? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a couple of things here. You look back at last year, and obviously both Mallott and Chambers spent some time on the shelf with injuries. When both of those guys are available, you're able to do more within the passing game because both of those guys can deliver a pretty darn good ball in crunch time. So that's part of it. And on top of that, they're both going to be a year better and a year deeper into the system. So that just in and of itself is going to elevate things, I think, a little bit uh, as well. But the biggest question out of the wide receiver room is who is going to emerge as the downfield threat? Who is going to be the one that makes opposing teams pay when you start to really load up the box. And that question won't be answered tomorrow, won't be answered Saturday, may not even be answered in week two. It's going to be one of those things that kind of shakes out. Cleveland Thomas now full-time on the outside is a guy that maybe doesn't have the height you would uh, normally associate with somebody who's got a big downfield threat. But, you know, I think at the end of last year, and especially in that South Dakota State game, like he showed the ability to go up and win those 50-50 balls. So who's going to be able to do that? Ty McCullough gives them another element of speed we haven't really seen uh, in a long time. So does he settle in in his first year uh, in the program as well? Uh, Christian and I are kind of starting to step up a little bit. He's a guy with some size at six foot one. Well, got Alexander Jr., another guy, you know, transferred from uh, the FBS and, and that sort of thing. So you've got some guys who I feel like we're going to see who the answers are in the wide receiver room. But I think the real aspect of the pass game that could be absolutely season-defining is what this team can do with their tight ends. When you have a guy like Trayton Pickering and a guy like Derek Snell both coming back, two guys who are extremely experienced, who can both catch the football, who can both block, and right now they've got Derek Snell listed as the fullback, you can do some really, really creative things with those two tight ends to try to mask what you're trying to do. So I think one of the really fun answers we're going to get as the season goes on is how creative are they going to be in the pass game, particularly working through their tight ends. Because when you look at the way some of the top teams in the FCS, when you look at the way South Dakota State, North Dakota State have run things, a lot of times you see two, sometimes three tight ends in a formation. Sometimes you see the two tight ends and a fullback kind of shift over. So when you have that type of size where now we've got guys who can both block the run and can catch passes, you know, that's when I think the pass game can become really, really dynamic and very, very creative. So I think those are some of the ways that we're going to see some new wrinkles in the pass game. And I, I just I can't wait to see how it all plays out once we actually get out of the field and the lights are on. King Logley, the voice of the Bobcats here on Nuanas. Now, I know you got a tight schedule, man, so we'll get you out of here on this. The other thing that everybody's talking about on a national level for Montana State is great talent, great depth, uh, great coach, all the things that you need to make a real run. But maybe the hardest non or maybe the hardest, excuse me, road schedule uh, that I've seen a team have. They're going to have to play uh, at the very least five teams that are what top ten, top fifteen teams uh, in the country, including in week two playing the defending national champions uh, in South Dakota State in Brookings. So, uh, 
what do you think of just the mentality of this team as they attack that road schedule, and how important will it be for them to have success, especially early, given the uh, the daunting road t- uh, trips that they have to make so far this year? Well, the irony of it is, if you win on the road, then you get to play at home in the playoffs. That's right. right. <laughs> if Montana State were to go 5-0 and on the road, which, you know, is very, very difficult, but certainly not out of the realm of possibility, well, then you're feeling pretty confident that this is a team that is going to end up hosting a semifinal game if they get there. If they, if they win all those, there's a really good chance they're going to be in a position for that and work their way through the playoffs. Even if they end up going 4-1 and with a loss at South Dakota State, still really good chance for that. So I think that's part of it. And, you know, this team is, is this team follows their head coach. They're very even keel. It is what it is. It's one of those things that sounds cliche, but it's true. It's out of their control. You can't control what the Big Sky schedule is. And, you know, that's just the way it goes. But this is a team that's been battle-tested over the last couple of years. You're going to be able to say they're battle-tested at the end of the year. And, you know, if you drop a road game or two over the course of the season, it's not going to be the end of the world. It's not going to be the end of this season. It's not going to be the end uh, of national championship hopes. So, you know, it's just it kind of is what it is. And that's that's the fun part, right? Like, look, if, if, you're, if you love the FCS, then, you know, do you love the Missouri Valley Conference with the, you know, the top two teams and everybody else? Or do you love the Big Sky Conference where, you know, half the conference could beat the other half of the top of the conference at any time, at any point, and could win a title? So this is the fun part of it. I, I love this. Like, this this is what makes it so much fun when you have a true, strong, diehard schedule. You know, it's not just some puffball schedule that you're just going to roll through and only two or three games are going to get you up. Every road game is going to get you up, and people are excited. They've got a chip on their shoulder about South Dakota State. You feel like you're going to go in and be able, have an opportunity to play on a field that you can actually plant and cut on. You're hoping they actually be fully healthy because, uh, you know, Sean Chambers went out in the first drive of that game against South Dakota State. Would that have been the difference? I don't know, but each of the last two times they played the Dakota schools, their quarterback went down in that first quarter. So, you know, I think they're excited. you got an opportunity here where if you do some real damage on the road, well, you set yourself up to host that semifinal game, which is really the, the cream of the crop when you're talking about national championship aspirations. He's Keaton Glogley. He'll be on the call for all the Montana State football action all season long. You can also find his fine work on the Cat Chat program as well, which he's getting ready for, and a bunch of other areas. And uh, certainly we'll invite him back on with us as well. I know it's a busy time of year, man, so I appreciate you making time. Look forward to seeing you on Saturday, uh, but thanks for being here, man. Yeah, you bet. And, uh, thanks for having Riley as the opening act for me. That was really good. I'm glad we got that all worked out. <laughs> we will pass along for sure the cleanup hitter, Keaton Glogley. Uh, batting him in. That's our ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. Paradise Falls located at 3621 Brook Street, Missoula's coolest hot spot. More football talk because, of course, right after this, ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. And Dwight, your father founded Schulte Law Firm in 1987 and since then has mediated more than 3,000 family law and divorce cases. Why is he so good at that sort of law? Well, he is a smart and patient man. A lot of situations where you find yourself in need of attorney are a high conflict situation. And it's really important. And it's a a tenet of our firm that we work 
through litigious issues in a collaborative way. It's important at Schulte Law Firm that when we're litigating these very serious issues that impact people's lives, that we do so in a way that provides the best representation and the best result to our clients. And what we have found is that the best way to do that is to litigate these issues effectively while doing so with a high degree of professionalism. We can have these disagreements without making it personal. Visit jshultilaw.com. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. They were playing Alice in Chains on the trail yesterday, so I got in a, stuck in a grunge mood. Little days of the new here on Nuwana's Now. Welcome back, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MTA. Appreciate you for hanging out with us. Back and forth we go. Let's talk some more. Grizz football, expecting Noah Cashmitter to join us here uh, in a little while, depending just on when the Grizz wrap up practice. He, um, Bobby Houck has claimed, uh, proclaimed him as one of the the rising players, one of the the most improved players, and one of the guys that really took on uh, head first and dominated the off season. And uh, he's moved to the inside of the defensive line. He's a kid from Grangeville, Idaho, so he played. Small school football in high school. And as is so often the case, it takes a little while for those guys to find their footing, put on the weight, put on the strength. But this kid came in at probably 210 pounds. Now he's up to about 260. He's one of the hardest working guys in the weight room. He's one of the toughest guys and one of the strongest guys on the team. So I think he'll be able to hold his own there on the interior defensive line. I know he's been a little banked up, so he wasn't actually on this opening too deep, but I think he'll be right there in the mix with Alex Gubner and Kellen Dietrich uh, at that nose spot for the Grizz defense. We gave you some of the surprises on the depth chart for the uh, the Grizz offense, including you know, Jake Olson as the starting tight end and Eric Barker not on the too deep. Uh, Eli Gilman, a uh, freshman, as the uh, starting running back. And then Kakila Lincoln uh, as the starting left guard over Hunter McGinnis. I do expect McGinnis to be back and, and maybe probably even play on Saturday. Uh, he just didn't have a – he missed some time during camp, so he was a, a little bit slow in returning to that starting lineup. But uh, he, he's good to go, nothing serious. So he'll be in the mix as well. Defensively, I mean, you got you got six guys listed at the, at the three linebacker spots. Braxton Hill, Ryan Tyrrell, and Riley Wilson are the, th- the starters. Carson Rostad, Tyler Flink, and Levi Janicaro are the uh, the quote-unquote backups, but they just play so many linebackers. I- I've gotten some texts saying, well, Janicaro's number 37, and he's a he's a captain. Why isn't he starting? I mean, J- Levi Janicaro didn't start until the, the latter half of the season last year, and he still was an all-big sky player. I mean, he had like 90 tackles. Uh, even though he wasn't even a quote-unquote starter until halfway through the year. He's going to play a lot. He and Riley Wilson, that's that, like, that edge outside linebacker spot, so they're going to be pass-rushing specialists. They're both going to get a ton of reps. And uh, same thing with the other spots. Uh, you know, I totally expect Brian Turrell and Tyler Flink to to go round and round and round at one of those inside spots, and I think that Braxton Hill's probably the guy that has the biggest edge over his quote-unquote Backup, and we'll probably have the the bulk of the snaps there. But I also think Carson Rostad will play a lot too. So I think that there's a lot of a lot of snaps to be had for the Grizz linebacking crew. The rest of the depth chart though looks like this: uh, Hayden Harris, 
Transfer from UCLA is a defensive end in front of Matai Mataafa, who's a transfer defensive end from Mississippi State. Hayden Harris transferred from UCLA. Kale Edwards and Garrett Husted are the other defensive ends. Husted, as Riley Corcoran said there in the interview, he's actually going to probably get the start on Saturday. Um, and then uh, Edwards will certainly be uh, in the mix heavily. And uh, then you go down the rest of the line. No surprise at corner with Corbin Walker and Trevin Gradney. And uh, then Jace Kluswich, Ronald Jackson is the two is there. No surprise at safety. Nash vouches the free safety. Trajan on Cotton the nickel. And Garrett Gray is the strong safety. Maybe one of the surprises in the backup role, though, is uh, T.J. Roush fighting his way into that number two nickel spot. Jackson Lee's backing up Fouch, and Ryder Myers backing up strong, uh, Garrett Graves at Strong. Uh, so those guys, they've they played a lot, too, and uh, they're certainly uh, proven commodities, at least internally. But Roush is a kid who came to Montana out of Missoula Sentinel as a wide receiver, switched to corner, and uh, then floated around at safety a little bit, but he's found a home there at nickel, when I, last time I got to watch the Grizz practice late last week, uh, I was gra- grabbing my roster looking, thinking, who's number 10? Who's number 10? Because he looked really good physically. I was like, oh, that's TJ Ross. He's he's put on some muscle. He's running really well, moving well. I mean, he's 6'3", 204 pounds, so he certainly has a good-looking frame there at the nickel spot. So um, I guess the point is with the Grizz defense, they rotate so much that pretty much every guy on the two deep is going to get some action let alone a lot of action, especially at the linebacker spots. And I think they're going to probably rotate pretty heavily at corner as well. And I think they'll rotate quite a bit along the defensive front too. So, uh, I mean, sort of status quo uh, for Bobby Houck's uh, teams. Uh, The other one to mention just on the special teams, Travis Benham's the starting punter. Uh, Grant Glasgow is a transfer from Kansas. He's the starting kicker. He beats out Nico Ramos. Ramos was a transfer from Cal. Uh, Glasgow, a transfer from Kansas. So a couple FBS guys there, and uh, the freshman beats out the senior. So that was obviously a good competition uh, for sure. This all comes back around, though, to uh, Noah Cashman, who's going to join us here in just a little while, uh, interior defensive lineman for the Grizz. Uh, Andrew, what do you think? Should we take one more and then uh, get Noah back? What do you think? You think this keep on rolling? All right. Was there anything about this that surprised you, the depth chart? Well, I think that the tight end spot surprised me. Yeah. and uh, We were wondering though, if Eric Barker got hurt, but I, I, I do have sources that confirm he's not hurt. Uh, he's just the, the third guy. One thing that I sort of uh, was uh, ruminating on was I thought that because they have these big-bodied tight ends, Jake Olson at 6'7", 254, and, and Evan Schaefer, who's 6'5", 278, that those might – and Bobby Houck sort of insinuated this, too. He said a lot of times tight ends could be extra offensive linemen. I wondered if they were going to have some jumbo sets and like some two tight end sets, and and maybe that's the way that they're going here. Yeah, I'm planning to maybe write a little bit about this still, but I think that that what everybody's missing is that while Eric Barker was sort of the the heir apparent at tight end, there is the guy who had played the most for Montana. Uh, you know, once Cole Grossman went down and Joey Elwell uh, retired, left the program. There wasn't really a clear-cut next man up for Montana at this spot. I mean, Barker had played a little bit. He had three catches for 10 yards in his career. I I, I was surprised that he wasn't on the two deep, but there just wasn't a guy there who I was expecting to seize the job. It could have gone any number of different ways. I think also, you know, seeing Hunter McGinnis 
on the depth chart but not starting was right. a little weird to me because we I know he's been battling some injuries sure. in fall camp here. Uh, but to see that he's he's healthy enough to play if he needs to, I guess that's what is sort of meant by the backup spot. Yeah. But he's not healthy enough to start. I, I just my, kinda... my my sources say that it, it, I think they were on some sort of like you had to have this many practices and this many like scrimmage reps to be in the start to be in a candidate for a starting lineup. Okay. He just, he just, his he didn't fulfill the pitch count to get into the starting lineup. I guess is what what I've heard. Okay, I, that doesn't really make any sense to me. <laughs> I mean, I agree because he's supposed to be one of Montana's best players. I mean, he's straight up, flat out there. I mean, he's their their first team all conference for starting offensive line. Yeah, if he's healthy enough to play, I don't really care how many fall practices he's had, <laughs> right? Right. right. Uh, but but maybe that is just sort of a procedural thing, being like, oh well, he didn't practice enough. We like guys to be here. We can't put him on uh, number one on the depth chart. I didn't think, you know, as you mentioned. I don't think the order of the linebackers is all that important. We see it every year. All six of those guys, and maybe even a couple more guys behind them, are all going to play a fair amount of snaps. Uh, so even though you know Levi Janicaro is number thirty-seven, uh, he was just named a captain. He is preseason All Conference. He's listed as a backup. He's still going to play a ton. Well, I mean that's what I'm saying. Like the guy, how many actual starts did he have last year? Probably four, four or five when O'Connell was banged up. He still had 90 tackles. I mean, yeah. he had like 12 and a half tackles for loss. The, the dude goes so hard, and when he's in games, he makes plays. And I actually think that him being in a split role help, helps him emphasize what he does well even better. Because if he can be in in like pass rush and long yardage situations with a full tank of gas, I mean, good luck. <laughs> good, good luck. I mean, he's, he's going to be as tough to block as anybody in the big sky. Yeah, we'll we'll be seeing a lot of him. Other spots there, you know, there were rumblings throughout camp that Eli Gilman was showing really well. And that, that was my guy. I pinned him at the very beginning of camp. I said, that guy's going to be the breakout star of the Montana offense. And, uh, I mean, you go out and beat out Xavier Harris and Nick Osmo and Isaiah Childs, uh, I think that uh, you're well on your way at least to being a breakout guy. Yeah, Nick Osmo, another guy who was, who was banged up for the Grizz. Uh, didn't practice a ton. I know he was running through drills. I'm not sure how much live, like 11-on-11 stuff he was doing. Um, but but for Gilman, and then I thought it was good to see Xavier Harris at the backup spot Yeah. Uh, for the running backs there because there were a lot of guys in the mix. I mean, even if Osmo isn't ready to go to start the season, you know, Isaiah Childs is a guy who comes in with a lot of pedigree. Uh, but I, I am a big Xavier Harris fan. I'm a, I'm a Xavier Harris guy. I think he's got... A ton of shake. I think he's probably in a one-on-one situation, one-on-one head-up with a linebacker. He's probably their most explosive and dynamic running back. Uh, he's had some injuries in past years. He's had some 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 issues, so it's good to see him back, and it seems like he'll get a lot of carries too. And, you know, Montana always does this. This is a Bobby Houck thing. Well, it's not just a Bobby Houck thing. A lot of programs do this. But the two-deep is a big deal at Montana. You're playing your way onto the two deep, getting on that deal. I mean, they challenge guys a lot in practice to, to sort of fulfill that potential. And uh, But I guess what I'm saying is just if your name isn't on this, it doesn't mean you're still not going to play either, though. Like Isaiah Childs, Eric Barker, names like that, I think those guys are certainly going to be uh, in the mix as well. So it goes beyond just too deep. 
uh, for the Grizz, especially at the offensive skill positions and the, and the defensive. I mean, pretty much the defense in general. I was going to say the defensive front seven, but pretty much the defense in general as well. The other spot I'm uh, interested in, and Riley Corcoran mentioned this as well. Junior Bergen slated as the kick returner. Is he actually the kick returner? He and Garrett Graves are the two guys listed. Big shoes to fill. I mean, some of the biggest shoes to fill. And Malik Flowers, uh, who set the program record and tied the Big Sky record for kick returns for touchdowns in a career. So uh, certainly uh, a lot of uh, stuff will be revealed Saturday, uh, high noon, as the Grizz uh, host Butler. What do you think? <laughs> well, well, we got a break. Eric yeah, Tabor told well, me a couple minutes here, but we got a break just to have a chance to yeah, get Noah well, Cashmitter in. So we'll, we'll, we'll take a break, and uh, we'll be right back. Hopefully Noah Cashmitter joins us before the end of the show. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Nuanas Now on ESPN Radio. If you ever wondered if this show's live, it's live. <laughs> I promise you. Welcome back to Honest Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Mr. Thing of the Show, you can find it on the podcast presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store, and the MSU Bookstore. We go to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line just for a couple quick ones, and then maybe we'll get some more from this young man and uh, play it later on in the week. But a first-time guest, kid from Grangeville, Idaho, playing defensive line for the Montana Grizzlies, Noah Cashmitter joins us. Noah Appreciate the time, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, I'm just uh, we're just out here practicing, and uh, yeah, I'm doing good so far. So, yeah. Take us through the off season for you. I know you came in uh, out of Grangeville and uh, weighed a lot less than you do now. You put on some weight. You've you've moved to the inside of the defensive front. So, how are you acclimating to the change? How are you able to have such a great off season and, and add so much weight and strength? And what do you think of playing on the inside? Um, you know, uh, just adding weight, I just make sure, like, make sure it's not, like, too much weight, you know. I don't want to get too heavy and become slow, so I just make sure I keep the right weight so I can just move around really good. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just I just keep getting stronger, and then, yeah, just hopefully I can keep going hard. Well, great returns for, for you. I know that, every, uh, that a lot of people in the program are talking about your great offseason, your great offseason numbers, especially in the weight room. When you're lifting, what motivates you? Um, uh, what motivates me to lifting uh, is just pretty much all the guys there. Like, we just uh, keep going hard, and it's just fun being around everyone and the guys in their weight room. And yeah, we just yeah, it's pretty much all the guys that keeps everyone going, keep the environment uh, fun. Well, he also got a, a great guy to learn from, the guy that's uh, the number one to nose tackle there for the Grizz defects, Alex Gubner. I know, I know he's a good pal of yours as well. So uh, what have you learned from Gubner, and uh, what do you think of just uh, being behind a guy who's uh, an All-American? Uh, it's uh, Gub, yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. Yeah, I learn a lot from him. Like, I'll go in the film. He teaches me because, I, I mean, I didn't really know much coming out from a small school. I didn't really know much about football, and he's helped me a lot through – like understand the game of football and then just watching him the way he moves around really helps me out and uh yeah he's just a great guy we we spend a lot of fun together so yeah no cash beer here on nuanas now we're going to pass this off to andrew we'll play more of this interview later on this week but appreciate it for joining us noah and we'll see you here on nuanas now tomorrow it's been uh nuanas now on espn radio see you then Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. 
proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. That's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now <laughs> for the <laughs> University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure – uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time.